Hey everybody, this is Christy with the Laugh or Die podcast. We talk about everything from murders to unsolved mysteries, maybe even tales of the supernatural. Today I'm going to tell you about a missing child that has, she's never been found. I'm going to start by saying that several years ago, probably the early 2000s, I started doing tarot readings. I'd always wanted tarot cards and I got some and I started popping in to TGI Fridays uh, in the afternoon, middle of the day to get like a beer, maybe some jalapeno poppers and I started practicing my tarot reading. Well, a lot of the employees, they wanted to sit down and, and get a reading from me so I obliged. Soon I was starting doing readings for just for fun at parties and like new age shops. Well, I was doing one at a new age shop. I can't recall the ne- uh, name of it. I think it was... Uh, goddess in the moon but don't hold me to that this woman came in with her friend and the reading was going just like normal like it normally did but I kept getting stuck I kept the cards kept saying kids and so I was asking her are you thinking of having more kids are you thinking of adopting she's like no 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 so I kept trying and I was about to give up I thought I'm just gonna have to give her her money back like I'm I'm at a loss well her friend nudged her and said tell her and I'm like what she goes well Her daughter had been abducted a year or two prior. And I know this sounds completely crazy. I Trust me, I know how this sounds. But the cards made sense when she said that. So I started looking at them with different eyes. And I go, okay, again, this sounds crazy. But I go, did your ex-husband have a brother? Now, I didn't even know they were divorced or married or not she nodded yeah yeah he's got a brother I asked does the brother have an old lady not necessarily a wife but maybe a girlfriend an old lady if you know what I mean uh, with like dishwater blonde hair and maybe just kind of disheveled looking she goes yes I go your daughter's with her and uh, I, I, oh, I feel so bad because I don't watch news so there's no way I would have heard about it on the news I hate the news I, I didn't know anything about the case but in my mind, I was seeing like a, a kind of frizzy, disheveled, dishwater blonde, maybe light brown haired woman uh, that was some connection to the brother. That's all I was seeing. And oh gosh, uh, it's just so depressing. And now this happened, like I said, a few years prior. I had no knowledge of it, but it's been bothering me ever since that I didn't mention this. Uh, while I was doing the reading, I kept seeing pine trees and I don't know if that meant pine street or there was actual literal pine trees but uh, cedar or spruce for whatever you but some sort of evergreen and trust me again like I said I know this sounds completely nuts but I'm telling you that to tell you this Bethany Markowski she was about 11 years old told all of me to my crazy dog uh, was supposed to meet her aunt dog has to interrupt me, pardon me, was going to meet her aunt. The, the father, it was his second time getting supervision after they were filing for divorce. And uh, the meeting point halfway, because he was living in, like outside of Jackson, Tennessee, and the mom was living in uh, Nashville. And she'd gotten a restraining order out against him because he ended up being like controlling, abusive. He was a nut job. Uh, probably still is because those men don't change. Uh, again, this is totally my opinion, so don't try to sue me, Larry Markowski, which I know you're a dick. Uh, I just know that. Never met the man, but I can guarantee you he is. So they were supposed to meet at this exit. She had the restraining order. She got her sister to meet. So the sister meets. Nobody's there. 
Now, they used to live together when they were still married. They were living uh, off of Christmasville Road, I think, in a, a townhome in Jackson. And about when Bethany was around in the third grade. Well, he, like I said, was a dick. So she fled with the daughter, filed for divorce. Uh, again, the restraining order. And they noticed something odd. They noticed uh, that he had dyed his hair black. Now, he swears he's never dyed his hair in his life. But I, if you see somebody that much, you notice if they dye their hair black. Black, for whatever reason, men think that they look so much younger with black hair. You don't. You just look like you're trying to cover something up. Which was he? Now, at the police station, Larry was being interrogated, fell asleep. So what had happened was, uh, and before they were meeting at the uh, the location, the exit, they uh, were going to go to the mall. It was a mall in Jackson. And according to him, he was going to just take a nap in the van and let her run in for 30 minutes and she was going to come back out. What parent lets an 11-year-old Go into the mall by themselves. Now, my daughter, when she was 11, yeah, we'd go to the mall. I was working in the mall, and I told her what places she could go to and to be back at a certain time. But she was in the mall. I knew there was security. I wouldn't be in my car and trust her to walk into the mall by herself and then walk out. Oh, by the way, when they viewed any of the security footage... There's no evidence that she was ever in the mall at all. No witnesses ever found her. And this is a kid that goes to the mall a lot. So some of the people that worked there knew her. Nobody had seen her. She didn't show up on any surveillance equipment. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Do I smell a rat? Uh, now, the mom had gone through the jacket when she got there, found that her coat was still in the backpack. So here she is. It's cold. It's like, I think, March, and she's out there without a jacket, obviously, wherever she is without a jacket, and, uh, oh, it infuriates me. little backstory. So, Harold Roberts is a friend of Larry Markowski. Larry is the dad. And uh, Harold, the friend, lived in Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, one day, once uh, Johnny, the mom, moves to Nashville with a daughter, puts her into school, he shouldn't know what school she's in. Like, she had literally just left weeks before and didn't let him know what school she was in. He evidently tried every school because he knew where her sister lived. So he tried checking out all the schools in the area, and then bingo, found one. And it was a uh, DuPont Tyler was the name of the school back in uh, January 31st of 2001. So Larry's like breaking in. He's like, I want my daughter. Da, da, da. The, uh, the people in the office warn, hey, take that girl and go to another classroom, teach her and you know, make sure she can't get to him. He can't get to her. Uh, evidently, he finds them in this uh, empty classroom. And she's trying to put herself, the teacher, uh, Miss Sloan, Jamie Sloan, put herself in between her and Bethany. He pushes her out of the way, grabs Bethany by the arm. Bethany's trying to, like, resist. He grabs her by the hair of the head and starts to drag her out. Oh, my God. So, uh, but again, Miss Sloan's like, you can't take her. Da, 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 da. 
So Harold said that Larry was, was not necessarily trying to see Bethany, but trying to see Johnny, the mom, right? So, uh, okay, all that. Uh, so I'm trying to get my facts in line. So I'm going to try to come back to this in a minute. So Larry had told Bethany that Johnny's new boyfriend, which was her ex-boss in Milan, Tennessee, and they sat in front of his house one day. This is, I think, the day of the abduction. So, all right. She gets dropped off to Larry. The mom thinks Larry's taking her to his house to meet family. Instead, he drives her to Little Rock to be with his friends and stuff. Never tells Johnny that they're going to Little Rock. Well, they stay in Little Rock. I think they get there on a Friday night, stay there all day Saturday. I mean, stay up late because they're chit-chatting, the, the two guys are. Uh, they were even going to go to church the next day. Well, Johnny decides, or uh, Larry decides he's going to leave early, early Saturday morning. We're talking like Saturday night, early Sunday morning. He's leaving at like 9.30ish Saturday night. Going to go straight on to his home outside of Jackson, Gleason, Tennessee. And Harold is like, you shouldn't do that. You know, you're, you haven't slept at all. It's kind of dangerous. Uh, call me when you get home so I, I know that you made it. Well, Jenny, who is Larry's daughter from another marriage, had called him on that Sunday. Sunday's the day they're supposed to do the drop-off, right? Calls him at 12-12 on his cell phone. And that cell phone pings near Natchez Trace. I don't know if you know this. Natchez Trace is, you've overshot his house and gone pretty much up and over. Like, it's, it's not along the path. You've got to go out of your way to get there. And also, they, I think it pinged another time outside of Land Between the Lakes, which that's, Boom, on the other side of the state. That's over by the Kentucky state line. So he calls his buddy Harold. I think it was like, I'll look on here later. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning or something crazy. And Harold's like, where are you at? And he's like, oh, I'm in such and such place, which was only two hours outside of Little Rock. And he's like, thinking, oh, you probably just took a nap. You know, no big deal. But thought it was weird. You know, he should have already been whatever time it was, he should have already been home. So he figured, oh, he, he stopped and he, he took a nap. So, Bethany, I, so there's like 12 hours that are just unaccounted for. That no one knows where he was. Um, but Bethany did call uh, the mom, Johnny, at 9.38 from Gleason, from the, the house, because it showed up on the caller ID. But Bethany was very upset sounding. Uh, and it's like, you're going to pick me up, right? You're, you, you're picking me up, right? Um, so before that, wherever they ended up, after that call, they're going to go grab something to eat, I guess McDonald's or whatever. They sit in front of this ex-boss's house and is like, yeah, that's your your uh, mom's new boyfriend. Sat there for like an hour or two, just outside this house. Creepy as fuck, right? So that had to be for, for a few hours. Now, 2.30 p.m. Larry was seen getting gas at the Parker's Crossroads exit. Supposedly claimed he was at the mall at 
when he's talking to the family when she gets missing. How can you be in two places at the same time? He says that he showed up at the mall 2.30, took a nap, woke up at 4.30. Oh, oh no, I woke up at 3.30. Oh, oh, no, I woke up at 3.00. He's changed his times so many times in, in the different reports and whatnot. He can't stick to his story. But where the gas station was and where the mall was, you're talking about a 30-minute difference. There's no way he could have been one or the other. And this witness knew him and you know, was asking about her. And you know, he had said, oh, I've already dropped her off with the aunt. You know, she's already gone back home. She's already, well, no, she, he made it sound like he had driven up to Nashville and dropped her off and was coming back. Well, we know that didn't happen. Uh, again, then he's saying that he's at the mall at 2.30. So he's lying to so many different people, right? Uh, he said he just dropped her off with a mother. And the witness didn't say anything about seeing Bethany. So as far as he knew, Bethany wasn't there. Which that comes in very important. His cell phone had been turned off. It was off at 5 when the aunt tried to call. It was like, hey, I'm here. 5.45, he finally answered. And it appears, uh, due to pings and stuff, that the phone was off at 12.12 when he talked to his daughter Jenny to 5.45 when he finally picked up the phone when the aunt was calling. Now, Harold claims that Larry offered to give him his van if he could pick it up in New Mexico. Or Mexico. Uh, Larry also failed a polygraph, which, you know, but I... It doesn't look like he's a very truthful guy. The TBI became involved nine days after her disappearance. Uh, supposedly, Larry had taken the seats out and carpeted the van, shampooed it, uh, the car carpet. The only thing that was found was a blanket and pillowcase that had blood on it. But Larry explained it away, saying Bethany had stepped on a thorn. Yeah, Bethany had stepped on a thorn. I've stepped on a lot of thorns, and it wasn't enough blood to get on all that stuff, but all right, whatever, Larry. Larry. Uh, he was very controlling when the wife was together with him. Johnny is the wife, or ex-wife, the mother of, of Bethany. Controlling would say when they could eat, when they could go to school, when she could go to work. Uh, he would, even if he, she was left at home, Johnny, he would call several times during the day to just check up on her, to make sure she was where she was supposed to be. I can't even imagine that. I can, cannot wrap my mind around that. Because I tell you what, if I was seeing a guy and the first time he did that, I'd be like, no, this isn't happening. Uh, you're not going to be doing that. You're not going to have control over where I'm at. Again, I get it. You've been knocked up. You're a uh, single mom situation. You kind of have to, you're stuck. You're stuck. You have to stay. And evidently, he had been married to another woman. So I'm curious what that woman has to say about Larry. Larry. Uh, he, uh, she left when she escaped. When Johnny finally like was like, she knew he was going to go up to this certain place to uh, work on a car or drop off a car or something like that. So she knew she had a window. And this was the day sometimes he wouldn't even let her go, let her take Bethany to school. So Bethany would be out of school at home for whatever reason. Uh, but this day, she woke up. She let him, let her take Bethany to school. She's at home. Uh, every time he would call, she would like rush. She's like trying to pack bags. And he'd be like, 
why are you out of breath? She's like, I was feeding the dog. And he's thinking, oh, that's plausible. Call back a few minutes. I mean, he had to be calling like every 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. What are you doing now? I was out, you know, feeding the whatever. Uh, call back, y'all. I'm doing the laundry, right? Finally, and she'd even called ahead where she knew he was going and talked to one of the employees and said, please call me when he gets there. I want to know he's there. So once she knew he was, I mean, it had to be like an hour or so away or more. So she had enough time to jump in the car, drive over to the school. They're trying to find Bethany. Bethany, I think, ends up being in one of the portable buildings. Bethany runs there, it gets Bethany out, or uh, Johnny runs there, gets Bethany out, and Bethany yells, are we leaving, Daddy? She's so excited. So they get in the car, take off. So they end up going, oddly enough, to the same mall that Bethany ends up disappearing at. So Johnny abandons the car there. The sister had driven down to meet him. They get in the sister's car, drive back up to Nashville. Yay, she escaped. I'm so proud of her for escaping because so many people just stay. And I get it, you're afraid and you've got a child you've got to think about. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's scary. So she left her car in the overflow parking lot. Again, the same parking lot of the mall that supposedly he had been at when Bethany disappeared. So... Like I said, Larry is leaving Little Rock. Four hours later, he calls Harold 1.30 in the morning from Forest City, which is only about an hour and a half from where Harold was. And it actually, that call at 1.30 in the morning, pings off of Land Between the Lakes. So he would have had enough time, four hours, to drive to Land Between the Lakes. Why was he at Land Between the Lakes? That makes no sense. And even back then, say there's less towers. He, it still should have pinged off of anything closer to his house than land between the lakes. They are not really very close together where his house is and land between the lakes. And like I said, later on, 12-12, that next day, it pings off of Natchez Trace. Very odd. Very odd indeed. Now, uh, land between the lakes is about an hour, 50 minutes, two hours from Gleason. So Little Rock and Jackson Police called Harold, left messages. They searched Harold's house to make sure Bethany wasn't there. They put Larry on the phone with Harold. And like, I guess Harold had it on speaker. Uh, with as controlling as Larry is, why would he let Bethany go anywhere by herself? Especially a mall. He was very controlling. Very, ugh. Uh, it's amazing. Like, he didn't even want, when he was visiting up in Little Rock... Harold said he didn't let Bethany out of her sight, very rarely. So go back in time a little bit, that year, two, 20, uh, 2001. So January 30th, Johnny files for divorce. January 31st, she files a restraining order. And then that Friday, uh, Larry planned to take Jenny, his daughter from the other marriage, to Nashville to visit Bethany and look for an apartment. So he's telling Jenny. So on that Friday morning, uh, he's pulling out, she sees him pulling out furniture and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm just trying to sell this furniture. You know, we're going to move. We'll just get furniture when we get there. Da, 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 da. So Bethany had showed up at Christina's house Sunday morning. So Christina was somebody he had told Johnny that Friday, that Friday, Christina and Bethany were going to go skating or something like that. Christina knew nothing about this. 
and was like, what? So Christina, Larry and Bethany showed up at Christina's house, I guess, for like an alibi. Christina said Bethany had gotten a new phone from Larry. Larry had gotten it for her. I am wondering why, because I'm sure the little girl, Christina got her phone number, I'm sure, right? There's got to be some record of this phone, unless it's a burner phone. Why didn't they immediately ping that phone and find out where the phone was? Because usually where there's a child, the phone is right there with them. But again, this is a lot of me assuming. But like, you don't see that a lot where it mentions that she had a cell phone. All right. So, backtrack to February 26th. Uh, the van that he owned, he did a transfer on this 1995 van, Chevy Astro van, uh, did a, a registration transfer. The 28th, uh, there was a 1990 Cavalier, I, I guess he had, that was sold uh, to, I, I'm assuming, I don't know who to, but uh, also on the 28th, a Nissan truck sold that was registered to Johnny D. Markowski, which was Larry's brother. Again, I don't know if this is the same Larry's brother that I saw. I think he's got more than one. So Larry flipped cars a lot. That's what he did. So it wasn't unusual for him to have a car for a few months and then flip it and get another. So, I mean, that's why he was going to wherever when Johnny was able to escape. He was fixing cars and flipping them, fixing them and flipping them. So, and, uh, you know, and this is according to Jenny, too, backed it up. Out of the 40 vehicles that Larry has been shown to own, that van was the only one that was ever taken out of the country was the only one that they showed uh, leaving the country and it found up like months later in Puerto Rico interesting it was registered to Larry until April 30th 2021 like over a month after she gets abducted right shows up registered in October 29th of 2003 so that's like a year and a half difference uh, or two and a half years difference so Interesting that you got rid of your van shortly after this abduction. So that way that the police can't research it for evidence. Mm. Now, Johnny's frantic. She ends up showing. She's trying to find. Uh, they all, they stay there forever looking. The mall, it's a Sunday, so the mall closed at 6. But there's a cemetery that's kind of right behind that mall or near it. And Johnny had, you know, of course, they're scouting the area. Johnny sees a shovel which I guess is not uncommon to be in a cemetery, but it was a new looking shovel and it had dirt on it. So they did some research and they found that that shovel had been bought at Walmart that day. And on the security tape at Walmart, a guy who had on a army jacket, like what Larry would wear, uh, and it had similar mannerisms to Larry, had bought that shovel along with rope, and two five-gallon uh, cans for gasoline. Uh, note that we're talking, it was in the 40s that day and raining, and Jerry didn't have a coat on. And remember how I said Bethany clearly didn't have a coat because it was in her backpack that Johnny had packed for her. Different kinds of dirt were found on the shovel that didn't match the dirt that was in the location. And the man, uh, when he was there, uh, he pulled out a wallet out of his back pocket. But Larry used to keep his money on a, like a, like a clip in his front pocket. But 
According to some of the news footage, it showed Larry in front of his van at the mall with dyed black hair going through a wallet. Hmm, Larry. Now, all this to say, April 2001, supposedly a woman tried to enroll Bethany, I don't know if it's Bethany or a girl that looked like Bethany, into a school somewhere between Knoxville and Chattanooga. The school was like, well, you, we need her records, da, da, da. She's like, I'm the aunts. You know, the father has them. He'll bring them. She left. They never saw her again. Three weeks later, that same woman and a girl that looked like Bethany were spotted in a restaurant in Chattanooga. And then later, like, she, they'd been in that uh, that restaurant, I think, three different times that people had seen. And they, uh, I think this time, they were just drinking waters, kind of sitting in the back. And then they were on a bus to Moline, Illinois. Uh, spotted multiple times in Cleveland, Tennessee. So that's kind of right outside of Chattanooga. Now, Larry was due in Cleveland on the first day that this woman and this little girl had shown up. Uh, Carol Markowski, that is Robert Bobby Markowski's wife. So that's another brother. So you have, let me find the names again. You have one brother that is Johnny D., another brother that is Robert Bobby Markowski. And uh, so Carol, the wife or ex-wife, I don't know if his wife or ex-wife had once lived in Cleveland, Tennessee. And, uh, and when they put a sketch together, definitely resembled Carol. Uh, this woman would have been in her mid forties at the time. So it was just very odd. And, you know, when the police say, does this look like anybody, you know, to Johnny, the mother, she goes, yes, this looks a lot like one of the members of his family. But of course, he has to say, oh, well, I think it looks like somebody in her family. Dude, go fuck yourself. Can I just say that? Go fuck yourself. So, he was supposed to show up in Cleveland on the day that they ended up being seen. He ends up not showing up for three more days, and that's how long they were seen in that restaurant, and then they were seen no more. Uh, supposedly, on a bus to Moline, but when the cops show up at Moline, no one gets off. So she either got off at a different spot or they didn't get on the bus at all. And it looked like, for, I think I read that the bus tickets didn't get cashed in at all. So it is very interesting. So many things don't line up. Why, if it's 40 degrees and raining, you don't have a jacket on. Bethany doesn't have a jacket on. You let... You're controlling his shit so much that your wife leaves you in in the middle of the day running with the daughter to get away from you because you're so fucking horrible. But you're going to let her get out of a van and walk into a mall by herself at 11? And then, surprise when she doesn't show back up, she was never at the mall. She was never fucking at the mall, and you fucking know it. You know where she is. And I think they say, well, you know, it still could be possible that she was abducted by a stranger. And yeah, of course, that could be possible. Was it? It's not probable. It's not probable. I think one of two things happened. The worst of all is, let's say this was him... He may have gotten that blood on that uh, jacket 
there's got to be a reason why he didn't have the jacket and the jacket wasn't in the van. Where's this jacket? He would have had it on him with it being that cold. Where's the jacket? And that's alarming. Shovel, rope, and gas cans. I mean, that's that's a murderer shopping list right there. But whoever it was paid in cash, uh, I'm assuming, because there's no credit card trail to find the person. Uh, he keeps changing his time. Like, you were there at 2.30, and then you woke up at 3, you woke up at 4.30, you woke up at 4, you know, which is it? He changed his story so much. And like I said, when the police were interrogating him, like the, the mother and the, the aunts were in another room and they're freaking out. They're acting exactly the way you think a woman whose kid is missing would act. He, on the other hand, keep in mind he had, had like all this bunch of time, pings. It sounds like he didn't sleep for two days, other than that little catnap, if he actually had that at all, he's fallen asleep being interviewed. I don't care who you are. I don't care how tired I am. If my child was missing, I would be so hopped up on adrenaline, I wouldn't be falling asleep as a cop is interrogating me. Again, he failed to polygraph. He can't get the timeline straight. He didn't tell them that they were going to... Um, Little Rock Harold told him multiple times, like, you need to, you know, do the right thing. Da, 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 da. He's like, Harold, my so-called friend. And I'm like, Harold sounds like he's being a good friend. Like, he's trying to get you to act right when you're talking about, obviously, you're talking about skipping town with the daughter and going to Mexico. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to know that's your plan when you're like, hey, I got this van. You can have it for free if you just pick it up at the uh, Port of Mexico. Yeah, you're going to try to take her and run. And I, I'm i still not convinced you didn't. Now, there is another podcast on here. Uh, oh, I forget what it's called. Ghosts, Searching for Ghosts. And they do like some pretty in-depth stuff. And they've interviewed several people, which I think he's, he does a great job. Um, searching for ghosts and one clip I saw it's like oh the father is finally gonna talk so this reporter uh, I think it's a reporter shows up and is gonna interview him knocks on this door so he's moved I can't remember now I'd have to look back up where they said he moved to but again it's out East Tennessee and most of everything I've told you has happened has happened in West Tennessee so he's got this new house, has, an, I guess, a new wife or girlfriend or something. Knocks on the door. The woman comes to the door says, oh, he's he's in the bathroom or he's taking a shower or something like that. And he's, so the reporter's still waiting on the door. And so he comes back. Finally, he actually does come to the door. And the interviewer's asking him questions about, you know, like, you know, did you do it? Da, 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 da. And he's all callous and, you know, the He's looking away at times, just things that I, do, I think are telltale signs that you're, you're hiding something. You know, looking to the, you know, making direct eye contact. Then he's like, um, you know, he goes and smokes a cigarette. I mean, if somebody's asking me about my kid, I'm not going to give a shit about smoking a cigarette. That also, to me, is very telling, in my opinion. I think one of two things could have only happened. I don't think a stranger got Bethany. God forbid he did go in a rage because he, I mean, lack of sleep. He was paranoid. He was controlling. 
God forbid he, I mean, she was very scared sounding on the phone at 9.28 in the morning on Sunday. You know. Oh, no. Sorry, my dog likes to get involved. He's very upset, too. Uh, so, for instance, if he did freak out, I mean, he's got a ping from Natchez Trace. That's a lot of woods out there. Um, and if the, you know, gosh, I don't know necessarily that that could have been him. I mean, mannerisms and the jacket, I mean, that's circumstantial, of course, but oddly, the timing. With a ping and a land between the lakes, but of course, that was 1.30 in the morning, but that's weird. Why would he be all the way up and land between the lakes at 1.30 in the morning? Anyway, but at 9.28, we know that she was at his house because Bethany had called the mom from the house. And then, why the ping in Natchez Trace? Now, if that was... God, man, right? He's at a gas station. I would love to know if he actually had gas containers there and was filling them up. Uh, but say he didn't. That would be incriminating like I don't know where would you ditch a shovel you know if he if he had rage issues like it sounds like he very much did maybe he did accidentally kill her and then he had to come up with a story like oh you know I'm gonna take her to the mall she she wanted to go to the mall we're at the mall it's a great excuse of like oh someone else abducted her buddy you're missing your jacket Again, circumstantial with the shovel and the gas cans. I would love if somebody had come forward saying, oh, no, that was me. That, that wasn't him. Just the Natchez Trace that's really bugging me. Because like I said, the mall is here. The exit that they're going to meet is here. Well, Natchez Trace is here. So it's not on the way. It's not on the way. And again, if the guy saw him at the gas station at 2.30 in the afternoon when he's supposedly saying that he's at the mall at 2.30. And then he would be really cutting it close to meet at their meeting place in time. So Jackson is about three hours away from Nashville. And then if Gleason, let's just say with traffic and everything, let's say it's a four hour difference. If they've got to meet at five and you're at the mall at 2.30, you're cutting it really close to be able to be at the meeting time in time. You've got an hour and a half to two hours to get there. So I think that's all bullshit that his phone was off. He was saying, well, I was charging it. That's what he said. He was charging it. I mean, just nothing but lies sound like what's coming out of his mouth. Now, the wife, now that I've looked up videos and seen it, the wife seems like she is, the mom, is very honest, extremely honest. And she has been making a campaign all these years to find Bethany. Even got like the uh, age progression so you could see what she could look like now. Uh, she'd be in her 30s now. And she's not given up hope that Bethany is alive. I am more leaning to that she could be alive. I, again, I uh, call it what you want. Again, I know I sound crazy, but I, in my mind, saw a disheveled blonde woman. And I said the dad, his brother... That woman has her. And wow, that's a woman fitting that description tried to enroll her in school and was seen in these restaurants. 
I believe that they kidnapped her. They put her in school or homeschooled her somewhere. And but I just I just would love if she would at least contact her mom. You know, just let her know I am alive, you know. Again, who knows what what's happened. I mean, I I hope not the worst. I really believe in my heart of hearts that the dad had something to do with it, obviously. But I want to say that they got her out and used that, oh, she was abducted by a stranger excuse to get him off the, the thing. There's no evidence. There's not been enough evidence to make any arrest or accusation. He's a person of interest, I think, still. And again, I think we all know he fucking did it. He is behind her disappearance. And if he was a real man... He would have done what he should do and get the child back to her mom. He's a piece of shit in my mind. He's lied about so much and he's still sticking to a story of like, I don't have anything to do with it. Well, you don't seem to be looking real hard to find her. It doesn't seem like you're trying at all to find her. He was like, well, I was trying to get on Maury or one of those kind of, Montel or one of those shows, but, the, but they told me, the police told me not to. Like, really? The police would tell you not to go on TV to plead to get your daughter back? Really? Because I don't think that happened. I don't think you tried at all to get any kind of press for your daughter. I think that you're a walking piece of shit. And I hope that you watch this. And I hope you know that I know that you had something to do with her disappearing. And if you were any kind of man, you would do the right fucking thing. Sadly, it, you'll probably be on your deathbed and make an admission if you even do that. So he's in his 60s now, living in, like I said, I think he's in East Tennessee now living. Just do the right thing. If you, I'm going to post pictures of her and her age progression on here. If you see anyone that you think might even resemble her that any of this sounds familiar at all if you would contact authorities either the tbi or if you're in a different state fbi shit at this point just contact someone your local police and let them know what you think because a, a tip doesn't hurt and we want to make sure that all these missing and exploited kids get put back in the rightful place and that they're home safely so thank you for listening. Uh, if you liked what you heard, if you found it interesting, please subscribe to this podcast. Click on, if you're watching on YouTube, click on the little bell and I will, it'll notify you when I get more uh, things printed. So thank you so much for listening to the Laugh or Die podcast. Have a good day.